Welcome to Black History for White People, a podcast where we educate, resource, and challenge white people about black history. I'm Brad, and on today's show are my co-hosts, Katina and Garen. Today, we are interviewing Allie Henney. Allie is the vice president of the Witness Black Christian Collective, which is the organization that we are giving all the money that we raised from episodes 12 through 21. We discuss who she is, what she does, the work the Witness BCC is doing, how white people can get involved in justice work, and then we wrap everything up with how we can support Allie and the work that she does. We hope you enjoy the discussion. So Allie Henny, sis, thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited to have you to come and, you know, meet with us, taking out some time to meet with us. And so a question that I always ask when we interview specifically like our African-American guest is, who is Allie Henny? Who are you, sis? People often identify like black influencers and justice workers and people who have a platform in justice as their work and they don't look at us as people, but you have a whole life and you are a whole multidimensional person. So tell us who you are. Um, yeah, so let's see. I'm trying to think of like what kind of stuff to share. So let's see. Hmm, what can I share? I, I'm a very boring person. Um, <laughs> people always think that I'm like really super interesting and I'm like, I'm really super boring. So I never, so if people ask me about myself, I'm like, I, I'm never really sure uh, what to tell them. Let's see. Um, I like to watch TV shows sometimes and I like to read books and um, I like to listen to podcasts. Um, some, I don't really get to, I'm, so I so I say that with a caveat of like people are like, oh, what podcasts do you listen to? I mostly listen to the news because my life is so, like I'm, I'm a parent. So like I've got my kid, I have two kids. Um, I have a, a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. And so um, I feel like that my life is kind of isolated. I recently, I say recently, I guess it's been about a year now, um, but I graduated from seminary. Wow. And so like a lot of my life was uh, doing my my work for seminary. And then before that, like I was just a person that was boring and didn't do anything. And so I feel like I don't really um, get out very much. And so like <laughs> as evidenced by my podcast, like I mostly just listen to the news because I don't have time to watch the news to know what's going on. So I just listen to it. And that's most of the podcasts that I listen to. Like, I don't even listen to my own podcast. Um, so it's like, what podcast do you listen to? Not, like nothing interesting, just like just the news. Um, <laughs> but let's see what else. Um, what books are you reading? Uh, so yeah, so that's a good question. Um, let's see. So I right now I have been listening to stuff on Audible. I've been a little bit 
Uh, I love books, but I've been a little bit, um, I don't know if bibliophobic is a word, Mm. but I definitely have been kind of like, oh, I don't want to like pick up a physical book because I read so many books for seminary that I just, so I have all these books, but then I'm like, oh, you know, I just listen to that on Audible. Yeah. So like, that's what I do. Or like, um, I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but I'm an iPhone user. And so there's a (laughs) trick that you can do with iPhone where um, if you have like a Kindle book or something like that, you can get Siri to read to you by like, you have to set up like accessibility and stuff. Yeah. And then you can swipe your screen and Siri will read stuff to you. And so, um, so I mostly have been doing either Audible or Kindle books. So that way I can listen to books. Right now, I like I just finished listening, listening to, uh, I'm not quite done with it, but I just like literally got out of the car and was listening to it. Um, the autobiography of Malcolm X um, awesome. as read by Lawrence Fishburne. Awesome. Um, that's a new edition of uh, of that book. I, I feel like that maybe um, there was another um, audio version of it at some point, but this is the new one that, that was read by Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. He does a really good job with it. Um, I Before that, I think I had finished uh, The Rule of St. Benedict. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like... Writing of like the the Benedictine the dude who's like the founder of the Benedictine order of monks. Um, so I was listening to that stuff. I was listening to something that was like about Benedictine spirituality for Protestants because um, mm. I'm not Catholic. I'm an Episcopalian, so I was listening to that because um, I was like, oh, hey, cool. Like I'm not Catholic, so let me get this, get on some of this. Um, and I was reading like Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Um, and then I don't know what else. That's I love like it. A whole lot. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, it makes sense because you're such, I was telling the guys that you, you are such an amazing writer. You blow my mind. I was talking to Sharifa about you because she does some editing stuff for me sometimes. And she's a content writer and just talking about how amazing you are with words. Like you are a word master. So it makes sense that you're oh, reading all of these you. interesting wow. books. So tell us about, because I listen to your podcast and I think it's awesome. I love to hear you talk. Tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah, Coming the Roots. So Coming the Roots is my podcast. Um, I have two seasons down. My second season was a struggle season because it came um, right as COVID started. So like it, 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 the first part of it had dropped, I feel like maybe in January or February of last year. And so then I was trucking along with episodes, all great. And then all of a sudden the pandemic happened. Yeah. And so my second season kind of became really kind of spotty and sporadic. Um, a third season is coming soon. And I keep telling, like every month I tell myself, oh yeah, this is going to be the month. Like I'm going to get in record and blah, 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 blah. And then I'll be able to publish it next month. And then I'll have this new season, but it hasn't happened yet. But yeah. hopefully um, like, you know, June, July or whatever, my new season will come out. But pretty much like the, the focus of Combing the Roots, I know that a lot of different types of people uh, listen to Combing the Roots. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I'm told. Like, I'm told that like a bunch of different, a bunch of different folks listen to it. I mean, I can't, like, I, I'm not out here, like, you know, in people's <laughs> phone looking to see, like, the screen to see who they are. Right. Um, but I, but what I, 
hoped my target audience, who I hope um, for people for the for what I have to say to reach, is Black women in particular. Absolutely. And so, and maybe even Black women, um, just with similar experiences to me. Like I grew up in the rural Midwest, um, grew up around a lot of white folks grew up, had a black culture, grew up in that black culture and stuff, but just, you know, spent a lot of my, my life and stuff adjacent to white folks. So um, a lot of my adult life has been sharing some of my observations that I have of uh, white culture and whatever, and sort of realizing that the experience, the experience that I have um, isn't, isn't typical. Um, mm. And so I feel like that I've, that I've gotten to encounter white people and whiteness in a way um, that not a lot of people do or like not a lot of uh, black women do. Mm. Um, with that said, I, I'm also married to a white man, married into um, a, a farm family. My, my husband is not a farmer, um, but married into into a multi-generational um family that 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 lived in Missouri that that farmed um in rural Missouri and that type of thing. Wow. And so I just feel like that that's like a perspective that um people don't often hear from that that, that rural uh voices uh people don't often hear from them. I'm not rural now. I I live in Chicago. I've lived in the city um for really like most of not Chicago, different cities um for probably the entirety of of my adult life and I would consider myself um to be somebody's country cousin that <laughs> moved to the city so like I so like I'm cityfied but I definitely have uh some country in me and so yeah. my podcast just kind of explores different things along those lines yeah I I, I can completely re- relate I have country roots my parents both grew up in the country and I grew up with one foot in the, in rural Memphis and one foot in the in like city urban you know center so I can completely relate to that how cool so how do you get from being your you know your upbringing and your experience how do you get from there to the witness and pass the mic kind of tell us about and now you're the vice president right so tell us about that yeah. journey yeah so um something that I always have to do is is uh, give Tyler Burns, who's the president of the witness. See, Tyler's he's catching strays. He's not even he's not even here. But Tyler and I, <laughs> um, we have this we we have this awesome friendship. Um, but we fight all the time. Really, <laughs> it's, it's so funny. We, I love we, it. We, we like. It's one hundred percent love, but it's like, but it's like a brother and sister that like we like like we're, we're siblings that like we love each other, we care about one another, but we bicker all the time, and so it's so so it's so fun. He's so he is so fun. I love it. Um, but I always I but this story is a true story, and I but I always give him a hard time anytime anybody asks me how I get involved with witness. The way that I got involved with the with the witness was um, I had heard about this back in the reformed african-american network days yeah um i feel like that maybe on like twitter or something like that like i i was never i like i'm not and i was never like reformed in my theology at all no shade to people who are reformed right i love you and bless you but that's that just has never been that's just never been my bag um but somehow (laughs) like i i connected uh to ran on twitter i connected to ran and to jamar tisby who's the founder of the witness and um, to Tyler. 
And the reason why I connected to them is because it, they were black Christian voices that were talking about justice. And that was, and that was what I was, that was what I was seeing from them. And so I thought, I'm not reformed, but there's some stuff that they're, that they're saying that's, that's pretty cool. So I hadn't even like listened to Pass the Mic, which is like the flagship podcast of the organization, whatever, like mm-hmm. um, the, the first, the first podcast that ran every day. Like I hadn't even listened to it at this point, but somehow I, um, I think maybe it came up in like my recommend and did um, groups or something like that. Because I think I maybe had followed the Rand page on Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever. I'm not really sure. But anyway, past the, the past the Mike Facebook group um, had come up in my feed. And so I was like, okay, let me see. Like, you know, read the, read the um, description. I was like, okay, this seems like something maybe that I could get down with. Like I'm not reformed. So I'll just have to kind of go in and just kind of see like what it's about and see and see if it's my bag or whatever. And if it's not, then I'll bounce. And so I, the part where I, where I give Tyler the hard time about is that I, um, I had asked to join the group. I want to say in like September of 2016, it might've even been like July or August. It was sometime in like the summer and fall of 2016. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I hit that join button I did not get added to the group. Like I was sitting, like <laughs> you know, sitting through. So like September. Yeah. We'll, we'll even say like I'm just gonna. I may be exaggerating a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> like just just know that is that is wholly exaggeration. I'm not lying. I'm just I'm just maybe stretching the story a little bit. So we'll <laughs> say that I was like waiting since July. So you know it's July. It's August. It's September. It's October. November starts and then like the day at the morning after the election all of a sudden I get you've been Tyler Tyler Burris has approved you to join past the mic and I was like what (laughs) so and I was like well earth like like okay but you know but if I say it but it worked out because it was right after Trump had been elected every you know black Christians are just trying to figure we're trying to figure out our life because we're like how how did all these white people vote for Donald Trump? Like, how did all these white Christians vote for Donald Trump? So I was in the group. All right. I'd been in the group, but not very long. Um, not very long but had been in the group. Maybe maybe just a few months. I want to say I started in November. I feel like it was like March or whatever, 2017. Um, there's just had been some some conflict over some different things in the group. Mm-hmm. And so I had messaged Tyler. Actually, before that, I had messaged Tyler because they had because there used to be this rule that was like, mm-hmm. oh, you can only post one post a day. So yep, I messaged yep. Tyler like on Facebook and I was like, really? You want us to do one thread a day, one post a day. So but this is before post approval was on. So mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, you could just post one thing a day. What? Like that's that's kind of like, you know, that rule's kind of whack. And he was just like, well, yeah, we have it for reasons and whatever. I was like, okay, that's I think it's whack, but whatever. Um, so then uh there there had been some conflict or whatever in the group. And so um uh me and a couple of other people were like, yo, you really need moderators in this group. Right. Because it was really only like, I mean, it was Jamar, Tyler, and Bo York who were like, who's the, the yep. producer um, for for Pass the Mic. They were really like 
the only ones who were quote unquote like the, the moderators or admins. Like they were like the the only ones. I think there might have been one other person. I think Kev, Kevin Garcia mm-hmm. um, was a moderator. Mm-hmm. And so like, so there got to be a point where Jamar wasn't doing anything. I mean, Bo wasn't doing anything. So it was just Tyler. And there is a whole bunch of, of foolery going on in that yes. group. And so I'm just like, there's all kinds of tom- tomfoolery afoot of of here. So can we fix this? And so then he was like, okay, yeah, we can, we can get some moderators. And so um, he put out the call for moderators. I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'll, I'll, you know, I was complaining. Like, the least I can do is, is volunteer and step up <laughs> to be a moderator. Because I, I was, you know, out here complaining and being loud. And, and being, I wasn't wrong. I wasn't being loud and wrong, but I was being loud. Hilarious. And so it's like, the least I can do is at least volunteer to help and, and improve things. So... Became a moderator, was a moderator for a while, became the admin for the for the group, one of the admins for the group. Um, so then a couple of years ago, I'd approached uh, Tyler and Jamar about potentially uh, doing a podcast and was just sort of like, um, wasn't even thinking like, oh yeah, the witness would want me to do a podcast like with them or whatever. I wasn't even really sure like why I approached them. They were just some people that I knew who did, Jamar and Tyler just were folks I knew who did podcasting. And so I was just like, let me just see. And so I, I pitched an idea to them and they were like, okay, yeah, we like that idea. But you know, we really actually were thinking about approaching you for you doing like a podcast. And I was like, what? And so, cause I, they had had me on, they had had me on it as a guest, um, which that's a whole other, that's a whole other thing, but they'd had me on as a guest. And they were like, yeah, you know, we thought that you were, that you were good. So we were actually going to approach you about doing a podcast. So I was like, oh, oh, okay. And so, uh, you know, came up with the podcast, started doing the podcast, became a staff member, and then just push comes to shove. Like, I'm like, oh, hey. They're like, hey, we want you to be vice president. And I'm like. How cool. Oh, okay. And so that's that's how. That's, that's how, how it happened. went down. Well, and, and let's um, dial back a little bit. I want to tell people. Could you tell people what um, Pass the Mic and the Witness Christian Black Christian Collective are? Like, we just kind of skipped through it because we know what it is because we're a part of it. But. You know, I'm in. I'm a part of the Facebook group, and you guys have just been a blessing to me and allowed me to write some a couple of articles. And I'm, I feel very connected with you know so many in the group. But tell our audience what is past the mic and the Witness Black Christian Collective. So yeah, so the uh, black the Witness Black Christian Collective, um, it is. A, a faith-based nonprofit organization. Um, we have a blog. We have a podcast suite. Um, our podcast suite has five podcasts right now. Um, we will be adding um, at least two podcasts in the very in the very near future. Um, so listen, um, listen up for that. Or, or one podcast. I, I think I'm misspeaking here. One podcast in the very near future. I don't know what I, what I was saying. To it's you. okay. What um, are the podcasts we'll be, we'll be, for all our yeah. listeners to? To know, um, so the so the podcast that we have right now, I'm liberty to talk about the one that we're that we're adding at this point. Um, but let's see. So there is pass the mic, right? And pass the mic is just like a podcast that just talks about race and justice and racism and the black experience or yes. whatever. Um, that's hosted by Jamar Tisby and Tyler Burns. Jamar Tisby is the founder of the Witness, and um, Tyler Burns is. 
now the president. He was the vice president, and now and now he is the president of the witness. And yeah. it's just kind of a general podcast. They talk about current events. They talk about some different things, and it's all kind of from a black Christian perspective. Yes. Um, then there's combing the roots that we've that we've talked about. Right. Um, those are kind of the two main podcasts that we that we have right now. The two that are that are mainly in production. Um, there is also uh, theology Q and A with Pastor Aaron James. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a theology Q and A. So, so Aaron <laughs> in the first season kind of covers um, just some basic stuff about about Jesus and the gospel and different stuff. And then um, his second season uh, focuses on kind of different aspects of Black theology. If I'm remembering correctly, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while since I've since I've listened to it, so I can't remember like all the specifics of it. Mm-hmm. And so those are like kind of like the three uh, or, the, or pa- like excuse me, past Mike Kobe Drews are the two main ones um, that we have, and then then theology Q. Q&A also exists. And then um, we also have footnotes with Jamar Tisby. Right. And that's sort of like a news-oriented podcast. And so um, it's not currently in production because Jamar, if you don't know, Jamar Tisby is now, I'm going to get the title of it all wrong, um, but he is the director of narrative and something else or another, and I can never, never remember what the other thing is, um, but at Boston University, um, he's working yeah. at the Anti-Racism Institute, Anti-Racism Center. Can't remember the name of the stuff. I should really, I'm terrible at remembering the, the name Center of the for Anti-Racist anyway. Research. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that, that place. I should definitely <laughs> know the name of that. Awesome. I should definitely know the name of it, and it's I okay. don't. But with Ibram, with Ibram Kendi, that's who. Yep. So he's kind of in transition right now. Um, so uh, footnotes is kind of like kind of in flux right now with production. And then the fifth podcast is really super fun. Um, I love it. It is called. It's called. Um, once upon a time in Wakanda, and so <laughs> yeah. that one. Anytime that there's anything in the Marvel universe um, that has to do with like Black Panther or whatever, um, they'll record episodes. So there's like a season of that plus like a, a few special episodes. I think for whatever reason, and I won't get, say any spoilers, but for whatever reason related to one of the Marvel shows that come out, there's not, that that has come out, um, so that's either WandaVision or um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah. um, but there's some things that deal with Wakanda in one of those shows, and I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, right. but um, for whatever reason, there's not an episode about that yet, but the most recent episode's about about Chadwick, um, Bozeman, yeah. but anyway. So yeah, so those, that's the that's the suite, that's the stuff. And, and no secrets, no secrets about this mystery one that's coming out soon you said right you can't no talk teasers just, you know I'm just, yeah yeah i can't i can't, okay. talk, can't, I can't talk about any of it but it's something that I, i'll say it this way um oh I'll, how do i have let me, let me think about how to say this i will say it i'll say this that i think that there are a lot of people a lot of um, black people in particular um who will probably resonate with some of the topic of this podcast, and um, I think that it might speak to um, a certain set of experiences that some folks have had, and so I'm really excited um, for that podcast. Cool, that will be that sounds that awesome. We will be Man, that's awesome. Thanks for giving us that rundown. So let's talk about the Facebook group because, well, in the Witness Christian Collective, like. I remember when when the the name changed from Pass the Mic to the Witness Black Christian Collective, and 
I love the website because it has so many resources and just is a great go-to for African-Americans who are just wrestling and struggling and just need that edification and encouragement and the, you know, you're not crazy, <laughs> you know, Ness, they need, they need those, they need that support. And so it's always awesome as news is flying around, sound bites and racism is abundant and all the things to be able to kind of go to that website and find articles that speak to us in our language. Like I remember the, I wrote an article and several people have written articles where we just talk straight Ebonics and I love that we break all the grammatical rules and just kind of uplift the people for the culture. But there's just so many different topics, so many great guests writers and thinkers and creatives, resources for music, just every aspect, I think, of the Black experience, like his history, theology, gender, like women, Black women's issues, like so many different things, current news. And so there's the Facebook group that is kind of like, I guess, a spinoff of that. And it's, tell us about the Facebook group, because I know, and I'm, I'm on there, and all of us are in there, and I know it gets on and popping sometimes. So the name of the Facebook group is Pass the Mic. That's after, the, the Pass the Mic group, it's, it's after, it's after, um, it was, the group started out originally as a group based on the podcast Pass the Mic. And right. so then um, the witness used to be the Reformed African American now. Network, right? Um, we because none of us at this point. I'm trying to. Th- I don't think that there's a single person um, on our team anymore who is uh, reformed. I think I can actually. I think I can actually say that. I don't think there's a single person um, on our staff at this point um, who is who is reformed. And so there, and that, and that's actually has been the case um, for many years at this point, where there are a lot of folks um, on the team who come from different denominational backgrounds. And so it's like calling ourselves the Reformed African-American Network just seemed, you know, kind of weird. Yeah. We have people gotcha. um, that, 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 aren't, that aren't Reformed, but that's not for theology. And we just didn't want to be um, limited by, by that anymore. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with, with, with Reformed people, Black people who are Reformed or whatever. We could maybe have some conversations as we could with any denomination. Um, you know, everybody has, has their warts and their, and their flaws and stuff. We just realized like, oh, wait a minute, let's not, let's not limit. There's an expansive Black um, Christian experience that we can speak to as yes. an organization. So that's what we did. So then the Facebook group, um, like I said, and there's a whole kind of story story history of the, of the Facebook group um, that that came about. I want to say it's been around since like 2015, 2014, 2015, yeah. something like that. I think it was 2015 is when it started. And so, yeah, the 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 goal um, behind the Facebook group is really just to offer a place for um, Black Christians, a safe place for Black Christians to be able to um, discuss the issues that are important to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've talked about, you know, for for many years. Something, something that, that one of the things that, that Tyler and I um, regularly debate about is the group because we really, really see the value um, in the group of trying to figure out how, um, how to 
do do what we do in the group, um, but but really to make it even even more even more edifying for Black Christians, even more uplifting um, right. for Black Christians. So because the group started out, it's really started out in this space where um, it was just a place to discuss reformed theology. Right. And so, or to discuss reformed Christian ideas. Mm -hmm. And so like um, that, a lot of that was conducted under the white gaze. And so even as like an organization, there's been a transformation. I want to say that our organization, um, the original organization started in like 2011 or 2012 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe even earlier than that. I can't, I, I should know this. And I, and I can't remember. I feel like it was, it was 2011, 2012 mm-hmm. that, that that started. And so just even um, over the years, we just have, have had a transformation where I think that, you know, a lot of, um, and, and Jamar Tisby talks about this. In fact, um, on, there's an episode, a recent episode um, where it is uh, Jamar Tisby's uh, Leave Loud story, part of our Leave yes. Loud uh, series. Mm-hmm. And um, he talks about this some, but it's like, I think that some of the aims of the organization at first were sort of to be able to discuss Christianity kind of, you know, from a certain theological standpoint and to kind of do so in a way that um, was beholden to the white gaze, um, maybe more than it should have been. And so over the years, we, we have, over the course of many years, I mean, really since I've been part of the group, you know, in 2016, 2017, we've really tried to course correct that and really center Black voices. So I remember when I first started, like got into the group, it was a lot of white men like pontificating and theologizing about stuff. I remember that. And it was just, yeah, those (laughs) those days were just really... A lot. They they were what they were. Mm -hmm. And so... um, we really have tried to create a space where blackness is centered and where black voices are centered. And so it, it gets a little bit, um, one of the, one of the things that we, that we struggle with a little bit is because there still is a white gaze, but where before there was kind of like this plantation overseer kind of dynamic mm-hmm. where it was sort of like, oh, well, all these white people are joining this African-American reform theology group to make sure that they're doing reform theology, right? And that they're not right. you know, like breaking anything or whatever. Well, once we dropped the reform label and whatever and just started being who, being who we are, We've lost that dynamic. There's still some of those people around that will occasionally pop up and show out. I mean, continue to know, like sometimes they, they will pop up and just and just show out. And yeah. It's like, okay, block. Um, you you, yes. get, you get invited to the to the block party. You're done. Whatever. Um, but there is just like even just some some of the consideration of there are still like a lot of white people that's in this group, right? And so like how to still have conversations but the conversation is being Black-led. And so then we also have a spinoff group um, called Pass the Mic 101 that right. we created. We It started out just like as an event within the group that it was like an event and then people could comment on the posts within the event um, to try to get, to try to teach the white people how to act because they was coming in there and like just acting a fool and just showing out. And so then finally some stuff happened. If I, we, had, we had had the group created and had the skeleton for the group um, for months before finally just one weekend 
a few years ago. I remember it was like August of 2018. Um, that's where that that's where that dirty delete post came from. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that you had commented on where you were yeah. like, "Hey, hold up, can we put you?" I was being silly. Post? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that actually came like, like there was there was a few days in August of 2018 that yep. stuff just that the, that the white people just went ham. <laughs> they went they went ham. I remember and, that like, Tyler. Tyler was like out of town. Tyler was Tyler was unable to do anything with the group. And then um, our other admin was in France. She was on vacation in France. So it was just me. And all the people started going ham in there. And so I was like, no, we are, this is, this is not okay. Right. And so we're we're, we're shutting up like, like we're shutting it down right. and y'all y'all got to go to this other group and y'all can act a fool in there but y'all aren't gonna act a fool in here right and so um anyway that's just like a whole lot of words to say that then like even but even that space isn't like oh let's white people can just sit here and just like white people it's like you know, there's there's me and an, and another black admin that is is white moderators that are doing a lot of the work in it. Yeah, but they're talking to us. Yeah. <laughs> but they're talking to us behind the scenes, and like yeah. you know, and and we're directing the conversations and everything. But it's, but we really just want to create a space for black Christians to be able to come, to be able to chill, to be able to talk about the things that are important to us, and to. Have have maybe some of those conciliatory conversations with white people also, but for people, for, but for us to just be able to kick it and for, and for us to be able to be like, you know, Hey, white people, like we're unapologetic. Like what's going, what's going, yeah. what's going on here? What What's going on in the white community? Can you, can you speak about this white on white crime? Like, can you speak about this? Like whatever type of stuff. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's I, a lot of words. I, as a, you know, I've been in the group since, gosh, I was like all the things that you talked about. I just remember all those things. And yeah. I feel like, very early on, I was like, I'm just going to sit in this group and just kind of just watch and learn. And, you know, as somebody, as a white person in the group, I mean, one of the things that I really love about the group is there's so many different types of people or different types of beliefs, different types of passions and stuff. And so it's like kind of a really interesting collection of people that, quite honestly, I just don't have in my life. I mean, right. I, I think there's probably... You know, I think something that a lot of white people probably struggle with is just not having a lot of friends and community that don't look like them, mm-hmm. not just, you know, ethnically. But what would you say to someone like, you know, that is in that group and loves that? And, you know, it's kind of like quiet. They're not like the crazy guys that are going in there and pontificating things. What would you say to someone who's like, oh, I want to say that I bet there's people that use that as their community and and in a way it is because it's real people and it is a literal community but I think something that we always try to push on this on the show is just like being around people that aren't like you and how that's helpful in more ways than just having more friends but it can help you with empathy yeah I mean it really helps you with empathy but what would you say to the people that are in that group that you know I'm a white guy in that group and I don't a lot of my friends are white I'm in that group and there's just a really cool collective of people, but that's what I'm using as my, you know, my, my, my close community doesn't really look like that. What would you say to someone like, like that? I would say, don't do that. Don't like, don't be the person, don't be the white person that I like, I like, I'll I'll say it this way. I, I understand 
like, you know, it's a, it's a group that's, it's not a, really a public group. It's a, it's a private group, but I understand it's a group of like, you know, 5,000 people. And people have different kind of social media personalities or social media temperament. Right. So there's some people who are going to jump into a conversation and like whatever the conversation is, they're going to jump into it. They're going to have something to say. They're going to, you know, have 50, 50 comments, 50 posts a day in a group. Um, there's going to be other people who are going to kind of just sit back and they're going to chill and they are going to like read and scroll, whatever. Like my partner's like that. We've been on Facebook since like we because we we went to college together and everything. Mm-hmm. We met like way before then. We we're high school sweethearts and stuff. But like um, we've had a Facebook account for literally the same amount of time. And I'm on Facebook and like you know and I and I don't like I don't feel like I, I post like really over much. I maybe comment and maybe engage like in, in groups and stuff a little bit more than I do um, on my personal on my personal timeline and stuff. But my partner is a lurker and like he does not post status updates. He does not share stuff. He does not. He he. I think that he's. I think I added him to pass the mic. Um, so he might even be in pass the mic and maybe and maybe like we'll read some stuff and pass the mic. But like he will sit and we'll just scroll through Facebook and we'll just and we'll just look at stuff. And it's kind of weird because it's like wow you're just a lurker. Like you don't, like he doesn't like anything. He doesn't engage with anything, but he knows everything that's going on on Facebook. So I mm-hmm. want to respect that and like hold space for that, that some people, your temperament, your personality, your time isn't set up to where you can like go yeah. and and um, substantively engage in a group, right? And I think that sometimes people have weird expectations of yeah. like, following being part of a group or following a page like I know I've run into that some where people will have like these weird expectations that like oh well if you're part like if you are like if you like this page well you know you should comment on every single post Mm -hmm. and you should react to every single post and you should engage and like in a conversation ain't nobody got time for that but whenever I say like don't do that like don't be like the person that that's your community I, what I mean is if the only black opinions that you ever like see, hear, read, engage with are on a group on Facebook that then you don't even actually engage with it. You just kind of sit, you just kind of sit back and like, you'll be on, be on the screen, just like scrolling like, Oh, look at that. Look at, ooh, look, what that, look at what they say. And you're not actually like engaging and engaging with the people and having people that like that, that gets it to be like what, what a lot of us would call like voyeurism, like where it's like, so, so I don't know if we're familiar like with the ter- like like with, with voyeurism like actually is mm. um, voyeurism can sometimes even like be like a, kind of like a sexual fetish or whatever, but just in general like voyeurism is like you're sitting back with your binoculars watching people and like observing their behavior, consuming and, like. Mm-hmm. And you're just like observing their behavior and you're just like taking notes or whatever. Yeah. Sort of like the movie, like the Alfred Hitchcock movie, Rear Window. Like the <laughs> dude in Jimmy Stewart's character in that movie was a voyeur. Like he just sat back with his binoculars and looked into everybody's apartment and <laughs> like saw a murder happen and was just like, okay, or, or thought he saw a murder or whatever. And it was just like, whatever. Don't be that type of person where you become like a social media, social justice voyeur and you're just like consuming black and consuming all these other things but then like you're afraid wherever you drive through the hood like in your city it's like oh I gotta lock my doors and like oh we can't we can't get out and get gas here and like you don't have any real life relationships mm-hmm. with black people so I don't know if that if what I said made sense yeah, no, that's at all good. whatsoever I mean I thought I think a lot of white people would probably ask the question like why does there have to be a black Christian collective why 
why does that have to exist? Why can't it just be a Christian collective? And we, we've covered kind of this in in, in, in some episodes, episodes but yeah. I'd love to hear your your kind of ideas behind why is it a black Christian collective? Why why is that necessary? Oh yeah, you know, so I think I think that any type of Christian collective is absolutely necessary. Like that like specificity doesn't necessarily mean exclusion. Right. Now, say like with you know with, with the witness, like w- like we center blackness, we center black voices. Full stop. Period. The end. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't that that white people like can't read the blog or can't listen to pass the mic. It's just that that stuff isn't for you. If you benefit from it, because we're talking about Jesus, we're talking about issues of justice, we're talking about Christianity, we're talking about things that really are relevant um, to anybody, but we're doing it from a from our unique perspective. And we're doing it with our unique considerations in mind, with our unique experiences. And so it's not like a one-size-fits-all thing. I mean— right. We nobody nobody bats an eye like in a church, and this is actually something that really irritates me in churches. But like we we will have youth ministry, we will have youth ministry doesn't doesn't irritate me. I like I was a youth pastor for most of my adult life. Um, that doesn't irritate me. But we'll have like youth ministries, we'll have children's ministries. Right. What irritates me sometimes is men's and men and women's ministries. Like why? Why are the genders always? Why? Why are we? Why are we doing this like this? Um, I, 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 I'm part of women's ministries. I, I enjoy men, women's ministry. I'm actually um, an officer in the women's group, um, in in my church. Um, but sometimes I'm like, why? Like, why do we have all this like like gender separation? But whatever. Um, but we. But nobody gets upset whenever we say, "Hey, young people have specific needs. Children have specific needs. Men and women have specific needs. Older people have specific needs. Single people have specific needs." Married right. people have specific needs. People who like to play golf have specific needs. People who like to play pool have specific needs. People who like water aerobics have specific <laughs> needs. Nobody gets upset about that. Right. There are churches that have small groups and have a smorgasbord. That's a mm. buffet for those of you people who have not been encountered old white people who use that word for buffet. <laughs> um, but there is a whole smorgasbord of groups that you can choose from in a lot of churches. But then the minute that you have racial affinity, the minute that you say, okay, hey, we're going to set, we are going to say we want to be ministered to based on our um, ethnic or racial identity. All of a sudden, that's like everybody's clutching pearls. I'm like, oh my gosh, why is there separation? Y'all are wanting to self-segregate. Y'all are wanting to blah, 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 blah. It's like, ain't nobody try- out here trying to have segregation. Like, why does it? And I feel like sometimes it can be projection, like where people do, wherever people, wherever people do that. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing, is that in, in, a, in any type of space that is white-dominated, nobody ever very, people are maybe starting to do it just like maybe this much more mm-hmm. um since people have become aware of racial justice but whenever uh, and i say this having having grown up in white spaces nobody ever questioned why the club or whatever the why why the elks club only had white people in it nobody ever questioned nobody right. i just 
it didn't have what it didn't have black people but then the minute a black person shows up or the minute a brown person shows up and wants something all of a sudden it become it becomes an issue or if the there's a white elks group or there's a white masons group or there's a white right. whatever kind of group the minute that negroes say okay it like y'all weren't explicitly saying that y'all were a white group but that's all who's over there that that's not relevant to me. Let me go start my let me go start my own Eagles Lodge, and let me just have something that that just is the, is the Eagles for Negroes. The minute that that we do that, then white folks be like, "Oh, but they oh they segregating. Well, they well they trying to separate themselves." But y'all wasn't concerned about the fact that y'all had y'all stuff, and there wasn't no black people involved, right? And so that's the way. That, so that's the way that it kind of that that I mean, a lot of denominations, a lot of I mean, I'm not gonna call any names right now because I'm not that type of person to be out here about here calling out here calling names, especially since I'm on here as the vice president of the witness. But there are a lot of organ, a lot of Christian organizations. Yeah. That are primarily made collectives, if you will, that are primarily made up of white men, maybe with a few token Negroes in there, right. but white, but it's mostly white men. Nobody questions that. Nobody's nobody's like, well, you know, why do we well why do we need why do we need a collective of all these of, of all these people with all these perspectives of like whatever? Nobody no nobody nobody questions why there might be a, a, an Episcopalian network of something mm-hmm. because it's specific or a Pentecostal mm-hmm. network. Mm-hmm. But you say but you say black and then all of a sudden it's like Oh, but but that's but that's horrible. There must be some like there there could be, and I'm not saying that you know about your question at all. Like like don't don't like I hope you don't think I'm taking your question no, wrong at okay. all. But I think that that but that I'm answering it in a way to say like it's it's needed because there's speci- so I bring up they're, they're, because there's specificity. So I, so that's why I bring up you know the children's ministry. That's why I bring up um you know like having a black elk's lodge or whatever is because there is there are experiences that that. I have as a black Christian, or there are things that I think about as a black Christian. There, there's a theological imagination that I have that is informed by my experience, that's informed by my history, that oftentimes isn't even appreciated in majority white spaces. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that is that is cool for people to be able to go and talk and talk amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. The thing is, and so so the difference. So so just in case some of your audience is sort of like, okay, but that still that sounds like segregation. That sounds like segregation to me. That sounds that sounds like whatever. What I want for people to realize is that white people segregate all the time. Segregation still absolutely exists. absolutely it happens all the time mm-hmm. y'all just have stopped putting up whites only signs like that's the only difference but y'all will y'all will literally like will redline us out of stuff y'all will make the requirements and everything to be part of something you can only be be in this certain neighborhood that just happens to be all white or well you can only well this is for this people of these of this theological persu- persuasion that's mm-hmm. predominantly that's predominantly white mm-hmm. or you have to have this education from this particular place that's pro- that's predominantly 
predominantly white. And so then, because what white people, because white guilt, people now will be like, oh, we don't want to be accused of being racist. So we'll, we'll let a few of y'all in so nobody can say that we're racist. But it's still, so even if it's, even if, you know, there's, there's, you know, three black and brown people, part of it is still white minded. It's not, it's not talking about anything that's relevant to black people. And so we want to talk about things that's, that's relevant to us. And there's still black, uh, white gatekeeping. You know, and that's the, that's yes. the and, and white people are the majority. So there's no need for it because the, the other thing is, well, what if we had a white group? Well, you don't need one because you're the majority. What in what world does the majority need to have something when they're the majority and they've been and they're the gatekeepers and they, you know, have the ones that have been the ones that exclu- have excluded people. But also black people have always been inclusive. It, it by force mm-hmm. we've been inclusive by force you know having to nurse babies that are not our own having to enslavement altogether like we have by default mm-hmm. either been forced to be inclusive or just our nature we have like we've included everyone in every movement that we have you know led i mean when we think about civil rights, human rights, when we think about even in Christianity, in in the various denominations, when we think about even like the Black Panther Party. I mean, we think that Mm -hmm. there has always been some element, like we've always been inclusive. And even in the witness and past the mic and all of that, White people, we, we, it is not a blacks only group. It's just a black centered group because it is necessary for the black experience where we are the minority and we experience microaggression, racism, oppression, and marginalization. It is necessary that we have a place that we can be comfortable to express ourselves and uplift the things that are important to us that no one sees. Where we have, we're we're able to edify each other and and talk about like your hair is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Where in places where you know when when we're coming from places where your hair is not acceptable, the way it grows out of your head, or you know colorism, or just the impacts of slavery and oppression. It's important for us to have mm-hmm. those safe spaces that we still don't exclude anyone from. Yes, yes. And you know what? I'll even I'll even say, you know, to that to that point that it's not it's not even necessarily about who is the numerical majority. Um because I mean, we we all know that by by in our lifetimes, you know, that the Lord tarries by 2050, white people will be will be the numerical minority. Right. But they it's about, to me it's about dominance. Right. Who is the dominant group. Yeah. So like we get we can talk about we can talk about numbers we can talk about well, who who has the most or whatever, but I think that is that, that that another element to it is dominance. Yeah. And the other thing tied in the other element tied in with that is that even if we were to be like okay well we're gonna have a black only pass the mic group or we're gonna have a black only space right we can do that. Right. The reason why we can do that, whenever whiteness organizes with whiteness at the center, it always yeah. is, becomes nefar- nefarious. Yes. It is always for nefarious purposes. Mm-hmm. Whenever white people organize to, to center whiteness, to protect whiteness, it, it always ends up, that's a Klan meeting. 
Right. It, it, that that's a clan meeting where we're like, okay, white white people are organized, and we got we got to make sure to protect protect whiteness. We got to whatever that fam. That's a that's a clan meeting. Right. Whenever blackness, whenever brownness, whenever indigenousness gets together <laughs> and it organizes for itself, it is always for self preservation. It yes. is always for affinity. Very rarely do you see those groups organize for nefarious purposes. Now, am I saying that white people are inherently nefarious? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that whiteness has inherently nefarious purposes because whiteness is about the erasure of anyone that isn't like itself. Yeah. And it's about the erasure and harm of anyone that isn't like itself. I would be totally cool with white people organizing together for, for the purpose of being white to deal with racism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to to deal with the racism in themselves and in their and in their own midst. But like I mean, the, hist- we see it historically. Like mm-hmm. white people organize white, white people have a a country club Club that's white that's whites only mm-hmm. it's whites only only to be exclusionary right. it's never whites only to just be like oh this is white this is like only for white people but this is only for white people because like we we've got to impart like white culture and like white whatever like it's it just is it, it is almost always if, if not categorically always nefarious mm-hmm. and historically i mean maybe if white people gave you know i'll be even willing to be to be charitable here and say you know what if white people somehow are able to develop a track record of, of organizing whites only and it not being to to organize to do harm to other people then make then, then i'd be like okay cool have your whites only group but like mm. but the thing too is is that like the the other side of that too is that like Again, being being a numerical majority, at least at this point, like most of the t- most of the time, at least in, in in some of my contexts that I've been in, was like you get together, people get together just for something basic. You don't have to say whites only because it's only going to be white people. That it's only going to be white people that are there. Right. So you don't have to say white like you don't have to be you don't have to, in rural America. You don't have to say well you know this is this is going to be this is going to be the the white lacrosse team. Right. Like it's just gonna like it's just gonna be white people that's there because that's because that's who's there. So I don't know if any, if any of that made any sense whatsoever. But anyway, no, yeah. it did. And so I've been on the group and just to kind of reiterate that it's it's not really just a group where only black people are welcome to speak. It's just a group that's intentionally centers black voices. And I think that's another distinction between like a whites only group would be like exclusionary, whereas you guys aren't being exclusionary. You're just giving, you're passing the mic. You're giving the mic to black voices so that they can be heard and have a safe space. And I think that's a, a big difference. But with that, being a white person on the group, and, and I really kind of want to just broaden this question because our listeners aren't all on this group, but just want to ask you, how would you encourage or recommend that white people just be loving online. I, I think mm-hmm. the Bible was written before there was social media, and if it had been written after social media, I think it would have probably <laughs> addressed it because it's such a big part of what it. I think some of the the main ways that we fail to love and see other people just happens online because either online or driving because <laughs> you don't see into the eyes of the person, and sometimes we can just dehumanize 
who we're talking to online because it almost feels like it's not a real person and we just fail to slow down and love and consider someone's feelings and emotions. So can you just speak to how do we, and especially how do white people who want to engage black people online, how do we just love? Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's that's a simple, that's a, that's a simplistic answer, right? Is if you wouldn't want to be treated that way, if you wouldn't want someone to talk about um, your your culture or your family or whatever um, a certain way, don't do that. Now, I think that um, there perhaps are like some practical considerations. And um, with that, you know, I would say, um, you know, being mindful of being mindful of just like what your what your presence is. Um, this is something that we talk to our our, our friends in the Past Mike One Hundred One group um, about, and, and this is practices. I, I talk about Past Mike One Hundred One because we're, we've been talking specifically um, about about some of the groups and stuff that I'm involved in. But this pra- but these types of practices um, are things that I've seen in a lot in a lot of different online spaces. Is it is I, I think that. Whiteness often, um, and white people, white culture, mm-hmm. it often. Um, how, I'm trying to think of how of how to say it. There is an expectation in white culture that one's desires and or needs be and or perspectives or whatever be catered to all the time. Mm-hmm. And and if one is uncomfortable in a situation or if one doesn't like how things are going in a situation, then one needs to contact the manager in order to set things right. Mm-hmm. And or there's there's a situ- or there's situations where people um will just let loudly voice their displeasure or or loudly like want the topic or whatever to turn to to turn back onto oneself. And so um I think that in loving our black, brown, indigenous, other marginalized groups, white people um and at various at various intersections of of privilege and marginalization need to always consider how much space that they're taking up. Um, mm-hmm. because white people don't realize, I think, how much space they take up and how many demands that they make on people. Um, so for example, um, I'm part of a group um online, I'm part of a group on Facebook. Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna name drop the group. Um, it's called Culturally Fluent Families. Um I think that it is a group for is a group that is found was founded by a black woman and has a primarily, I think, almost exclusively black moderating team. Um, and if I'm understanding the purposes of the group, is that it's for white adoptive parents mm-hmm. um, of who are trans who have adopted transracially, um, basically for them to like not mess up while they're parenting their kids who are from a different culture than they are from a different race or culture than they are. Um, I was invited to this group because I, I have had several friends in this group. I think my mom actually was in the group too. Uh, my mom's a speech language pathologist and um, her doctor is like in, in a multicultural education or whatever. Wow. And I think she might've invited me to the group. I don't remember, but anyway, um, I'm part of this group and um, it's a lot, it's, 
it's very similar uh, to to even some of the groups that I that I lead in that it centers marginalized voices. Yeah, and so frequently um, white people will, white women in particular um, will come into this group and somebody will tell, will, will, they'll, they'll post something about something that they're doing for their kids or to their kids or whatever. And they get pushback on it. And then they want, then they want to like demand labor. And so, well, can you tell me more about that? Can you, can you talk more about, can, can you point me to some resources? Can you show me a book? Can you explain this more? Can you give me evidence? I want to argue with you. I want to have a fit. I want to be mad. I want to be angry. And so all of that is like, is like taking up space, right? And so it's like what somebody, what somebody gives you, like, like, we're just, we're we're just commenting here online. Like there's like, like, I don't have any obligations to you other than to behave towards you ethically. Right. But like, you're going to pull me into like this big long conversation where I have to, where you are demanding that I teach you and you, and you're asking me questions, maybe even that I like, I didn't consent to, to being, uh, to doing a Q and a, like all I did was you asked a question, I answered it and I don't want to say anything else. I don't want to say right. anything else about it, but you're pulling me into this thing, like arguing me, arguing with me about my experience or needing to know more rather than like using the gift of Google that God has given us on that same device that, mm-hmm. you, that you're, that you are engaging in the group with mm-hmm. that, same device has search engines that you could ask the question to and get some sort of and arrive at some sort of answer. But anyway, so I say all that to say that that how's that well, how's that come back to loving your neighbor? Well, it comes back to loving your your neighbor because I think that um, people aren't always aware, like white white folks aren't always self aware of how they of how they come off and how um, they interact with different how they can interact with different cultures and mm-hmm. how certain things. In in that's okay in white culture, um, is actually if if not out and out offensive is like something that's like really super um, uh, laborious. I'm trying to think of like the word something that's that's really like inconvenient for other mm. cultures. So like interrogating a person with a bunch of questions um, in black culture, like that's something that we typically like. It's not that we don't like to ask or answer questions. Mm-hmm. It's just that if you're gonna like pepper somebody with questions people start to be like, okay, am I being interrogated right now? Like, why are, why are you asking me 50, 11 questions um, off of something like really super simple? And so anyway, so I say all that to say that I think that, um, again, talking particularly about online is that I think that a lot of stuff, a lot of issues would be avoided um, if white people like just kind of dialed it back a little bit and thought about how much space that they take up. Um, because it's like, you can, it's like, you know, it's better to keep quiet and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all, all doubt. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, if, if, if you, if, as a white person, like if you just like sit back and chill and just like be quiet and listen and observe and, you know, like well, let people know that you're, that you're like a sentient being and that you're not just there being a voyeur, like yeah. you're not just there, like, like, like staring them down. Like, let them know that you that you're a person of, of goodwill and that you and that you exist and that you're a sentient being. But then, but then backing off and like, you don't have to tell us your whole life story. You don't have to be like, I'm not racist because I own a color TV and my car has four black tires. Like, we don't we don't really need all that, fam. Like, we don't really need your whole your whole backstory. Just be like, hey, I'm here and it's whatever. And so, anyway, that's like a whole lot of words. But, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. So a question we always kind of throw out to kind of wrap up interviews is just want to give you a chance to kind of speak from your heart, 
to our audience. We have a mostly white audience. There are it's a diverse audience, but a lot of white people who are here to learn about history, but also just about how to love their neighbors, as we've been talking about, and just want to give you a chance to to speak to them. What would you say? I mean, just if you had this big ten thousand or so people listening to you on this big audience, what would you want to give as like a parting thought or some parting wisdom that you could throw at them? Yeah, yeah. So I would I would say, and this is something that I say, and I feel like I say it so much that it's almost become super duper, and other people have said it a lot, that it almost becomes super duper cliche. But I really believe in educating oneself. I really, really believe that knowledge is power. And so I, I understand, um, cause you know, I certainly don't want to like be ableist and because I understand that, you know, some people have learning challenges. Like some people, some people have learning disabilities, sometimes like reading and that and, and academic stuff is like, difficult for some folks. And so I want to acknowledge that and hold that for people. And so I'm not saying that like you have to go out and like get a PhD in in Africana studies. I'm not saying that you have to like, you know, go out and like do college level like work and research and whatever. But just like read some books or if you're not a good reader, if you're somebody that that's more like auditory or whatever, listen to some books, listen to some podcasts, um, just put put yourself in spaces where you can read, where you can learn from people who have a different perspective than you. And it doesn't mean necessarily that you will agree with everything that you hear. Um, I'm sure that some people maybe have heard some things that I have said. Some of your audience are probably like, oh my gosh, like what she's on, what is she on, whatever. Um, but I think that um, where a lot, especially people, where a lot of white folks get into trouble, particularly those who are new to the race conversation, mm-hmm. where a lot of folks go wrong is that they surround themselves with the voices that make them feel comfortable rather than stretching themselves with voices that challenge them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you get a lot of white folks who will listen to people like, uh, I can't even, she who shall not be named, I have to say her name because otherwise people are going to know who I'm talking about. But Candace Owens, uh, Thomas Sowell, however you say his name, Larry Elder, Alan B. West, Ben Carson, like the the Fox News lineup of token Negroes that that, that y'all have speak, that, 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 that they have like out here speaking or whatever. Like that's where white people like get it. It's not, and it's not that the people that I named aren't black and it's not that they don't have a black perspective. It's that their black perspective often is um, centered on white people, is centered on the things that white people want to hear. And so I think that, um, and so there's like a market for that. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a market for like so like the work that I do. Like there's not there's not there's not really a market, for right? That, right. I mean there's there's I mean there's there's folks. I mean to be fair, like you know I, like I have a Patreon. I have some you know I have people who um, who definitely you know will will who support my work and whatever. But like I'm not on Fox News. I'm not on CNN. I'm not I'm not on like 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 I ain't on nobody's like whatever. And not saying that I that I, oh man. I would be on CNN. I'll be real. Like, I like if I got a, if I got a show on CNN, you wouldn't be able to tell me anything. Um, but like, <laughs> but anyway. Um, but I think that where a lot of white folks uh, get off track 
is that they listen to the voices that only make them feel comfortable. And I'll even say that from a Christian perspective. Like a lot of white Christians really make the mistake in listening to, only listening to the token black person in their denomination. Or they will sit and they will listen to people who are of the same theological persuasion, of the same theological ilk as they are. And especially like if you're somebody who is a little bit more theologically conservative or, or whatever, like your church is a little bit more conservative in that realm, you'll only listen to those voices. Now, there are some strong, good voices that you can listen to. But my point is, is that if you don't stretch yourself and know what's out there and like let go of fear, because I feel like that white people, like white culture just like really control, like white Christian culture really uses fear to control people. And so it's somehow like you're not going to be a strong enough, good enough holy enough, whatever Christian, it, you're going to, you're going to somehow be soiled by, by engaging with material that's challenging. Mm-hmm. And just because, because, in a, because it challenges what you believe, because it challenges what you, what you think and how you think of yourself. But honestly, that's what you need. You mm-hmm. need to listen. Like you need to listen to the autobiography of Malcolm X. There right. are some things that Malcolm says. He, he he like like probably like the first like half the book is cool, but then like the second half of the book, he starts getting into some of his Nation of Islam teachings and starts like he starts getting into some of the things that Elijah Muhammad taught and all the other type of stuff. And and I mean, there's some stuff in there that I don't agree with. But the point is, is that this is somebody's voice, right? Like this is their perspective. This is their this is their life. And so I think that it's that it's important. Even if you walk away with, I didn't agree with this, 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 and this, you heard a different perspective. And maybe the next time you hear it, you're not taken aback by it. You're not affronted by it. And you can listen a little bit more. And then just maybe, maybe, just maybe, I mean, no, you might not give up like core beliefs or core tenets of, of your faith or core tenets of your life, but you, but the world might get big enough. The world, the world might be, get bigger for you. You might realize that like the world is wide enough for both Hamilton and me. Sorry, I, I had to say that. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. But you'll realize like the world is wide enough for like somebody who is a quote unquote liberal. The world is wide enough for you and for and for them. Right. Like, it doesn't have to be like, oh, I, I can't, I like like my, I gotta be in my little in my little bubble. But anyway, I've said too much. But anyway, but that's but that's why I think. Well, I, we love it. We love everything that you're saying. And we're just so grateful to be able to have you come and share your heart. And this was great. So we have the honor because I know the, uh, the, the witness is doing some amazing initiatives and looking to expand and just do great things. And so we have the honor of donating our 10 episodes to the witness. And we have about $2,000. And so we'll be, you know, happily donating it Basically, the money that we raise from the podcast, we donate to Black causes. And so the witness is next up, and we're excited about that. So thank you for coming, and thank you for, you know, just receiving us and receiving our donation. But also, just want to know, like, what ways can we support you? What ways can our listeners support you? What goals do you guys have that you want to express that you you'd like, you know, for us to support. 
Well, first of all, thank you all so much for your generosity. It really, it really means so much. It really means so much for, for to, to have you all support us. Um, you know, I I know that those funds uh, will be put to good use. But yeah, one way that um, your listeners can support the witness is to go um, to our website. There is thewitnessbcc.com. Um, there's a there is a tab that says donate and um you can give a one-time donation or you can become um a monthly donor um i believe that that for as little as i, I think that the, that the that the um smallest donation is like five dollars i think is what it is what it is um but something that people like sometimes be like you know like five dollars i don't really feel like that i can contribute that i feel like that that's contributing anything five dollars is huge mm-hmm. like five dollars five dollars is can be huge and you get multiple people um that are doing five dollars that that helps that helps fund um the types of things that you're funding um whenever with your donation um you're funding something that we've started in the last um We've been doing it for the last like six months or so, seven or eight months or so. Um, it's really important for us mm-hmm. that we pay our writers. Um, we have we have a lot of people. We have we have some staff writers. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of columnists. We have one columnist, um, uh, Christina Button, who writes uh, Black Women yes. Write Seeds. We also mm-hmm. have another columnist that is coming. Um, his name is Robert Monson. He's writing a column for us called Non-Tap non-toxic masculinity it's mm. kind of weird like the first two columns that we have are kind of like you know gender based um, yeah. things that was that wasn't intentional um that was just sort of what what sort of came to us and sort of what was like th- those were those were just were that was the lane that we ended up in mm. um but that but your um your your funds it helps to go to pay our columnists to pay our our writers the, the folks who um who so graciously submit their work to us and take their time um, to write pieces for us. Occasionally, um, we'll commission a piece like we. So um, a few months ago, uh, probably I think like in November or something like that, we commissioned a piece from Katina um, mm-hmm. Rance Allen uh, had passed away, who's a famous um, uh, gospel music art- artist, and we and we commissioned a piece um, from from. Katina, and so that was something that was that was great um, to be able to be able to do. Um, there's several other you know writers and stuff that we might commission pieces from um, your your uh, your podcast. My goodness, your donation it also goes um, to help fund um, our podcast and to help cover pr- production costs yeah. for Pass the Bike for and for Coming the Roots um, and for and for our other podcasts. Um, the other thing, the last thing, and probably I say it's the last thing, but it's one of the most important things um, that is one of the most important things because it makes everything else that I just named possible mm-hmm. is uh, we have staff members. We, for the first time in our history, um, we have like hired regularly paid staff yeah. and uh, their job is to work on social media and is to help um, the posts and stuff that you see us make that was more than likely um, created by a staff member. The graphic was more than likely created um, by a staff member, like the video, whatever yeah. that you saw. And so that is what makes that, that's what makes all of that possible being able to be able to pay uh, those folks to be able to do that. So your, your funds, your, your donation, like I said, you know, $5, $10, $20, $100, mm-hmm. 
dollars. We'll take a million dollars a month, fam. If you got, if you got it like that, we'll take, we'll take it a million dollars <laughs> a month. Um, yeah. But like, you know, whatever. Of course, you know, you know, donate to this show, donate to this podcast. Like, yeah, of course, do do that too. But anything that you have left over, we would love um, to have it at the witness. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're looking for more information on what we discussed, take a look at the show notes or go to blackhistoryforwhitepeople.com. If you'd like to play a supportive role in the podcast and be able to vote for future topics, check us out at patreon.com backslash blackhistoryforwhitepeople. On our next episode, we will be discussing Juneteenth. We'll leave you with this quote from Claudette Colvin. I knew then and I know now when it comes to justice, there's no easy way to get it.